Hello and welcome back to LSB AFL Podcast. Toffee here after another exciting round of football and the football just keeps on coming and coming. I'm joined today with James. James, how are you? Well, how are you going, Toffee? You would have been a bit nervous yesterday in the last quarter. Oh, yeah, look, it uh, wasn't the best game I've seen Essendon play, but um, I think with the, the short rounds, you know, four points is four points, so we'll take it. Um, and kind of what we discussed last week too, you, there's just this really big sort of lingering weakness Essendon has right now, and I guess we'll touch on it a bit later on too. Yeah, we will for sure. And Alex, we won't talk about uh, yesterday until I ask you later on. Yeah, I'd rather not talk about that. It kind of ruined my whole Sunday after that, but... Some big injury news to come out of Collingwood, though. But, boys, let's just look at the weekend that's been, of course, as we're recording this, one more game to go. What was your most enjoyable game of the weekend, Beatty? For me, I think it was the North Melbourne-Carlton game. Um, It looked a bit closer than sort of um, you might have... Like, you look at sort of the... You break down the quarters and you're probably thinking Carlton could have sort of comfortably had it. It was a lot closer than you thought you, you think it would be. Uh, North Melbourne played some better football at certain parts throughout the game than what we've seen in the last probably five, six weeks or something for them. Um, and it was just a really good game of football. Um, it had the potential to be that high-scoring game that everyone kind of wanted to begin with, which is what we're all excited about. It kind of didn't finish that way. It did slow right down the second, uh, the third and fourth quarter. Um, but for me, it was a really good game to watch. Funny you say that because I actually thought that North were never really in the game. I thought they came back at stages in the third and the fourth, but just vital skill errors when it counted. You're right. I think, um, and that just goes back to like, and just it, to sort of compare it as well with, uh, you know, they haven't played very well in the last weeks and to think this is one of the better games they've played really sort of shows where North Melbourne are at a club. They've got a lot of things to work on. Um, but some things they did a lot better was they've copped a lot of flack over the last like month or so. It was just every single time they go inside 50 or down the forward end of the ground, they just keep going high and long and they can't get the you know the ball to their main forwards. They did lower their sights a bit more and they got a couple of sort of key forwards and a couple more sort of set shots on goal, which we haven't seen North being able to do for the better part of a month now. So, yeah. Alex, what about yours, mate? Oh, I really like the uh, the Dogs-Suns game. Uh, just just a fun game to watch, I reckon. Yeah, that was mine teams. too. I just thought, yeah, I just thought the Gold Coast was really exciting to watch. The Bulldogs yep. played well. You look at the scoreboard; it wasn't uh, high scoring, but I think you know a game like that against two young teams, especially on a Thursday night, was really exciting. Alex. Yeah, most definitely. Just good attacking, fun football, fast teams. Just was great. All right. Well, last week on the podcast, boys, we all talked about, uh, we all mentioned Port Adelaide as being as pretenders, not premiership favourites. And we were proved correctly on Saturday night. The Saints were amazing. But what do you think of Port Adelaide, Beatty? I went with sort of the words I had last year and I thought, you know, I said, I've got to eat them now. Um, and that was that I didn't think Port Adelaide were going to be that top end team. And I even went through and I tipped St Kilda as well, despite being, you know, not, not looking very good on the odds or anything. Uh, came through for me. St Kilda played a hell of a game and just ran over Port in the end. Um, and I think that's that's what happens to Port Adelaide. That's what we've seen in previous years as well with Port is whenever they do versus a team that is looking quite strong, moves the ball really well, they just struggle to win games. St Kilda played fantastic, not to discredit them, but I just don't think Port Adelaide is as strong as uh, what the latter might suggest they are. I think they came really hard uh, in the second half and Port Adelaide were a bit stung there. Alex, Saints, what do you think of them as a contender? Well, they've obviously gone hard with the um, with their free agency last year, picking up some key pieces like and they yeah they played a really good roles on 
Saturday night, Dan yeah, Butler you with know, two goals. Paddy Ryder, two goals against the old firm. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Dan Butler, probably the recruit of the season at the moment. He's mine as well, yep. Yep, yep. And Paddy Ryder, he's always good. Um, they they could definitely shake things up come the end of the year. They'll probably play finals. And, yeah, who knows? They could. Well, they're currently could... sitting in third on the ladder. Port Adelaide's still on top. People are actually comparing. I'm not sure where these comparisons are coming from, but I've seen them in the media, on the radio, for example. They're comparing them to the 2016 Dogs. Do you think they're capable of winning a flag, Batesy, or is that just premature? But also remembering, we didn't think the Dogs were going to win a flag going into the 2016 final series. Thank you. They're playing some fantastic football, and it's the best football they've probably played since, oh, God knows how long, probably since they did make a premiership. Ross, uh, Ly- uh, Ross Lyon area, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a very long time since we've uh, played it. And they're doing it without that X-Factor roster as well. They don't have that same list they did have nearly 10 years ago, which they just are full of superstars. They've actually got a really well-balanced roster. Uh, they've got a really good defense. Their midfield is really exciting. Um, surprisingly, when you look at it on paper, you think, it's all, all right. But it's actually really nice, really well-balanced. Um, and going forward, they've got a few options down the ground. I think that's probably the only area they could really sort of polish up a little bit better. Um, they could probably use uh, something else a bit more stable down there. But, but they got Max doing... King, though. And Max King is the, the one player on that list that could be as good or as better as Nick Rewald. And that's the thing. They've got so much to look forward to. It's, it's not the best thing on the on right now for them. They've got a lot to look forward there. But I think if this year, if, if, if anything's going to stop them from contending with the likes of or other well-rounded rosters like Brisbane, West Coast, they need to do something down forward. Whether Max King happens to step up in his second year and really take it to them, I'm not sure. But they need a bit more something a bit more key down there, something that just really flows a bit better. Um, but what they're doing works right now. But I think it'd be interesting to see them against some high-quality teams and how that holds up. Alex, Rowan Marshall, Paddy Ryder, they started the first few games. They weren't too sure. Paddy Ryder missed a bit of football, but they came together beautifully. They both kicked two goals on Saturday night. They had 40 hit-outs between them. They got uh, 35 disposals between them. Do you think the best way to win a game of AFL and to be a dominant team is the two-ruck system? Or have we seen teams like... Not two-ruck system, sorry, the two-tall system. As we've seen, Collingwood have uh, their failures in most games with Grundy and Cox. Look, I think it just depends on on the player more, really. Like, you need to have that other player needs to be good up forward as well as in the ruck. You can't just have two ruckmen out there running around, especially, like... It's about interchanging. You're right. And it's being yes. able to get that flexibility to get disposals around the ground, to be able to have a presence. Like Rowan Marshall had five tackles on Saturday night. Like that if, was you've, a fantastic if you've got if you've got two two hundred centimeter guys running around, not getting many touches and just getting hit outs, like that's just an extra extra body out there that's not doing anything. So you need those that extra player that's gonna either grab those marks, get those tackles, or be like a disposal getter like a Grundy or a Gord or someone. Well, you know better than most, uh, Batesy. Uh, Paddy Rye is 196 centimetres, of course, started at the Bombers as a key defender. And Alex will also be familiar with the day that Paddy Ryder announced himself as a ruck. He's got a really talented skill set. And the one thing I think Ryder's really done well, uh, especially as he's sort of matured and he's got a bit of age behind him, is he actually plays down forward really well. Uh, whether that's just reflecting on the days he was sort of, you know, that key defensive sort of uh, player he was or anything like that, I'm not sure. Um, but he can really go down forward, and he's saying he ought to want to see a bit more of a, I know, 60-40 time, and he spends a lot more time time down forward. It's something they could really, you know, pursue and sort of look into because he can get some good goals on the board. He's 
known to take some really good contested marks and he's, he's 196 centimetres tall. It's pretty hard to push around. All right, we'll move on. So long story short, power no good. The Giants beat Richmond on Friday night by 12 points. Uh, Richmond had more scoring shots than Giants, but I thought all night, Alex, I thought the Giants were still the much better team. Look, they were, but uh, don't take anything away from Tigers. I mean, they were still in it the whole the whole night, and a few things go their way. They could have won that game. So, well, If they uh, took Toby Green out, they would have gone, right? Well, Toby it, Green, exactly. it's an impressive stat line. 18 disposals, 8 marks for 5 goals. Exactly. Great game from Toby Green. Absolute star player. Batesy, do you have Richmond in your top... If you had to pick the top four at the end of the season right now, do you have Richmond in there? Uh, if you had asked me last week, I said yes. Ask me at the end of this week, I say no. I think there's, they're missing some real key players um, that really sort of hold up a lot of their foundation and what they do really well. Um, whether they, they just have to step something up and they have to do something really incredible to take it up that next notch. Uh, but when you look at the ladder a bit more carefully, they're two games behind uh, the top two teams, which is Port Adelaide and Brisbane. Uh, that's you know, it's pretty dangerous and sort of that's, that's a lot of ground you've got to make up in a really short season as well. Uh, and below them, you've got three other teams sitting on, or four other teams, sorry, they're sitting on five wins. Uh, one of them is also Essendon, who could potentially also be in that six-win bracket. I'm going to come back to you on that Essendon point there. Uh, so I'll let you both have a bit of a think about this. Carlton and Richmond, if they had their same 22 that they played both on the weekend, who would you be tipping? Batesy first. I'll go Richmond. I still think Carlton have a lot to pick up as a team. They're looking even a, with a the lot injuries better. that Richmond have currently. Yeah, I think their system's a lot better than what Carlton play, and Carlton still have a lot of things they need to figure out from, I guess, an operations level. You know, on the field, uh, Richmond has still just got a little bit more class, a little bit more polish, and um, when it comes down to it, we'll still win games. Alex, what do you reckon? Carl- could Carlton finally win a game against Richmond or? Look, being a Collingwood fan, I'd rather they both lose. I've got to pick the lesser of two evils here. Uh, probably not. I still trust in uh, Tigers' experience out there. But Carlton, you know, young team, they've got nothing to lose. And sometimes that's pretty dangerous. And Paddy Cripps and Doherty haven't been playing that well lately. And they're still playing good as a football team. So that's improvement when two of your senior players, of course, you always want your senior players and your leaders playing well. But when they're not playing, they're not being the best two players on the team, that's always a good sign, James. Saying that they haven't been playing well is just a, a little bit sort of overanalyzing what's going on. I think they're still playing really well. They're I'm not saying their... they're playing well, but I'm yeah. saying if you look at the stats, you can clearly see that in a lot of key areas, Cripps and Doherty aren't in the top 10. Definitely. I think in terms of what they've been able to pull off in previous seasons for that sort of real shiny star, definitely the same. But I think they're playing at sort of slightly different roles this year. At least Doherty is. I think Doherty's really matured a lot, even though we haven't seen him for two years um, with some unfortunate injuries. He's playing a bit of a different role than what we had saw sort of, you know, a few years ago and what Doherty would do. Um, and it's really it's really shining for him. He's really sort of um, holding things down back there. And uh, his work ethic on the field is probably comparable to not really not, not many other players out there. So, uh, And Cripps is just someone where if you don't give him attention and you give him that one game where he does go absolutely off, he will win a game off his boot. Oh, for sure. Um, and that's what I think is the most dangerous part is if they're winning games without Cripps, uh, having these 30 disposal games with a couple of goals, then what happens when he does do that? So it's, it's something to look forward to Carl, for, for Carlton fans. Well, boys, the Hawks are well and officially cooked. After a smashing to the Demons, I, I had a little bit of confidence going into Saturday. 
Don't let the scoreboard flatter you. Seven points doesn't mean anything. We simply started well because the Swans kids needed a bit of time to kick in. We started well, and then the Swans came very hard at the end. Seven points doesn't look doesn't didn't look like seven points to me. It felt like five or six goals. Now, Alistair Clarkson's comments at the end of the game, if you've seen it, Tom Papley uh, supposedly milked for a free kick, even though Frawley came in and absolutely put him on his ass. Uh, but Alistair Clarkson said Tom Papley milks. Free kicks. He's the biggest milker in the game. Of course, that comes on the back of about a month ago where Clarko said the umpires are not paying holding the ball. Do you think, James, with all of Clarko's, uh, you know, ability and all the accolades he has, do you think it's right for an oppos- for a coach, sorry, to talk about opposition players and opposition and umpires like that? Oh, look, Clarko is definitely one who's not afraid to voice his opinion on what's going on in the AFL. And we've seen that year after year. If there is something he doesn't like, he'll let us know. Um, I think more recently there's been a bit of a sort of uh, a thing going around where the AFL does really listen to Clarko. And I think maybe he's trying to sort of voice his opinion a bit more. Uh, in terms of the actual circumstance of what happened, uh, I watched it live. I think I was talking to you at the same time, Toffee, what was going yep. on there. Um, and it was definitely a free kick. I think it's a lack of... Oh, there's no there doubt and... it was a free kick. You can't... Obviously, it's not good sportsmanship to r- kick a goal and then rub it in their face. But that's banter, you know. That's sledging. That's what happens. But what Frawley did is a complete free kick. And I saw a lot of Hawthorne Facebook pages and social media that I follow. And they couldn't even believe that you could kick two goals from one play. So yeah. that's, just, that's just another topic where people need to educate themselves and not be so one-eyed. Exactly. But, and th- that's the thing, a lack of discipline there. And it's just a harsh lesson in the end. You know, you're going to give give away two goals for absolutely nothing, then just be a bit more mature, you know. Uh, Papley kicked a good goal on the run, uh, got into, I can't remember who he got in the face, Sicily or something was on the ground. Uh, and then a bit uh, of lack Titch, of Tom Mitchell. Yeah, Tom Mitchell on the ground. Uh, and just a bit of lack of discipline, you know. That's where I think the senior players really at Hawthorne should really do something the opposite there. You wouldn't see sort of an emotional reaction like that from someone who's played 100-plus games. So really interesting there. Um, maybe it's a bit of frustration with the performance we've seen from Hawthorne coming through. Who knows? In terms of Clarko, uh, interesting. He's got a big voice in the game. And I think even for years to come after he does retire or does call it quits, he's still going to have a pretty big voice that will be listened to. Um and I imagine, yeah, it's going to continue on for some time. Alex, how would you feel if Buckley came out um, yesterday and said that he thought that, for example, Tim Kelly, who got a few free kicks yesterday, milks free kicks, or JJK milks, he got three free kicks yesterday and a few resulted in goals. How would you feel if Buckley came out and said that? Look, I mean, things get said in the heat of the moment. After losing a game he should have won, Things can be said that you don't mean, so I can maybe that was a slip of the lips from, um, from Clarko. So this but... is coming from someone who uh, we were comfortably up. We ended up winning the game by forty points, but because we conceded a goal with five seconds to go before quarter time, you decided to punch the MCG wall. Yes, that is so, true. <laughs> and apparently, uh, Clarko's punched himself in the head before because he was like, you got to get angry, you got to get tough. And he punched himself in the head, and he actually had to be AFL concussion tests. Now, I'll get on this from both of you. Do you think Clarko's going to be at a different team next year? Do you think... He's been at Hawthorne for 16 years. Do you think now it's time to just say, you know what, I can do what I want. I've earned the right to leave Hawthorne whenever I want. I've given you four flags. What do you reckon, James? Oh, I think no. I think he stays, but I guess the good thing for Clark is if he puts his uh, 
you know, if he sort of puts his papers in a Hawthorne, says he wants to move on, the amount of clubs that would put their hand up straight away and say, please come here, would be majority of the clubs uh, that we see in the AFL because he's brilliant and what he's added to the game so far. He's, you know, his resume is absolutely incredible. So I still think he stays. I think Hawthorne, it's a no-brainer to keep him on. He hasn't done anything poor. This is what looks to be probably his worst season since before their first premiership. Uh, so, you know, there's a there's a lot of pros that we've seen from Clark. I think we're just so used to seeing a, this guy perform well and truly, like incredibly, top eight team all the time. Four premierships, I think, to date. So I think, you know, the first time we haven't actually seen him do that, we're, you know, the public's pretty quick to sort of jump on him and say, it's time to move on. Alex, I'm having a look at the AFL teams. I see two clear teams that might need a new coach in 2021. There's a big chance there might not be any new coaches in 2021, but the two teams I've identified are the Demons and the Giants. What team do you think would fit Clarko best and which team needs Clarko best? Or is it the same? Look, I reckon Melbourne probably needs them the most. That's a, yes. a team that's been sitting either lower, right at the bottom for a while, or now they've started, they, they got a bit better last season and they've, they've dropped down a bit. They need something just a little more to give them that, to get them right up there. And who better than uh, than Clark, I reckon. Yep. Well, we'll move on to Adelaide. You'll be happy to know, boys, our uh, Adelaide correspondent, Grant, went to the game yesterday at the Adelaide Oval. And the chip, they've fixed the chip sizes, and he says they're very good value for $5.40. So that's very good to hear. Now, I want to know, the Crows almost won yesterday. Actually, we'll go on to Essendon for a sec, Batesy. What do you think of Essendon yesterday? <laughs> uh, I said through at the beginning there, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a beautiful win. It wasn't incredible. It was not pretty by any means. Uh, but four points is four points in the day. Some real big weaknesses shown there. But also at the same time, I think this is some strengths Essendon can really take away from it too. Um, first strength we'll start on was uh, the midfield really came through. Um, the small-bodied, quick midfield really sort of ran laps around Adelaide for the first half of that game. Well, I think Merritt, Merritt, Merritt was huge. Yeah, Merritt was fantastic. Uh, McGrath was really good as well. He sort of came up pretty clutch. And just it was a sort of real big contribution from a whole lot of people in that midfield, uh, which when you looked at it on paper, the big bodies of the Adelaide midfield sort of made you a little bit worried, but Essendon handled it fantastic. Sorry, you go. Yeah, and also seeing the uh, Bell Chambers coming back in and uh, actually winning some tap-outs and putting a bit more of a body sort of in the ruck contest was really good too. So uh, it was really good for Essendon to see there. A big weakness, though, was obviously going down forward. Uh, again, like the amount of inside 50s that Essendon can get, off the ground, they're pretty deadly. You've got Tipper down there. You've got uh, Laverde ended up being injured halfway through that game, which is unfortunate, but he was coming off some pretty good football. Uh, Cahill also kicked his first couple of goals and so on. So they've got quite a good sort of small, quick forward line that can really uh, get it off the deck. But I think those big options, those big tolls down there is, you know, with Stringer out, no Danaher, uh, it's really starting to take its toll. And clubs are going to You've only really got one toll down there, McKernan. Yeah, exactly. And and with McKernan half a time leading down sort of is your half forward player, not your full forward. It's a bit tricky too, because he's usually leading down the ground. He's the one who might be getting the inside 50. You just don't have an option at that point. It's a system that can win finals, though, and Jacob Townsend has been in there because that's how Richmond won in 2018. They only had Rewalt, and obviously Rewalt did go up forward quite a bit, uh, up the midfield, sorry, quite a bit. I really like Will Snelling's game yesterday, Bates. 11 tackles. That shows you've got a you picked him in the mid-season draft last year. That's he's a good young hard player. 
very small, very quick, um, and he's not afraid to just be really hard and go, just, you know, headfirst in, uh, into the into the contest. And he was picked up for that exact same reason. He's done he, nothing but that since he's been pretty much picked up in that mid-season draft last year. Everything you could want, what, why he was drafted, he's been able to perform that week in, week out. And that was yesterday was just another reason or another example of uh, Snelling being able to do that. So it's really good and really good kick up. All right, on to the Crows. So not often do teams not win a single game in a year. They often pick up uh, wins you don't expect them to, or they beat other lesser lights but still win the wooden spoon. The Crows have nine games left. I'm going to read out their, their four next games and then the five teams they haven't played yet. Of course, we don't know the fixtures for yet. I want you to identify me where their next win is coming from or if they're not winning in the next four weeks, which team they're going to beat. All right, so they've got North Melbourne in Queensland, the Demons at the Adelaide Oval, the Pies at Adelaide Oval, Dogs in Queensland. Do they win one of those, Baiting? Uh, yeah, I reckon they beat North. I think they've been slowly, very slowly, uh, increasing their gameplay per week. Um, and I think with how North has been playing, I think Adelaide will get up and get... Uh, get a win there, but I, I don't like the chance for those next three games. They do not sound very friendly for the Adelaide Football Club. Alex, what about you? Winning the next month? Or not the next month, the next bloody 15, 20 days? I think the even with before you say the other games, I think this is their only chance to win a game this season is against North Melbourne. Um, Tim North Melbourne's playing. And I mean, uh, Adelaide, if you look at their last quarter against Essendon, I think, what, one goal, five behinds, they could have won that game. So if they can keep up that, the way they were playing against that, against North Melbourne, yeah, it's not at home, but I think that might be their only win of the season. Well, their remaining five games after this fixture are Carlton, Geelong, GWS, Hawks and Richmond. Three of them will be at home. Hawthorne's going to be in WA and possibly maybe South Australia. I'm not sure. If they're in South Australia, they'll play Adelaide. So that Adelaide game against the Hawks, a big chance to be in Tasmania, obviously, because North can't go down there. But do you think Adelaide beats the Hawks, though? Because I can't... The way we have played, watching us closely on Saturday, watching Adelaide yesterday, they showed a lot of heart. Do you think Hawthorne are going to beat Adelaide? If they played tomorrow, for example. So I think Adelaide can. If I I was to pick another team out of this list of form and how everyone's looking, Hawthorne would be that team I see them beating. Um, just because Hawthorne's looking really poor, really slow. Um, they've got a bit more sort of discipline within the team, which is, you know, a bit sort of the opposite of what I was saying a bit before, but they've just, you know, a bit more slower based. And I think if Adelaide have a, play a good game, they can easily sort of get at the top of Hawthorne. But, you know, two wins in a, in a season is not a whole lot of wins. Um, so I wouldn't be And that's if they beat Hawthorne too. I don't see them beating any other team there, not with, not with the run home that they have. That sounds really... Really, really bad for the Adelaide, yeah, Adelaide fans. So we're all on agreement for Crows wooden spoon, or yep. could North make a late play for that, Alex? I don't think Adelaide are going to win enough games to. to They're going to win two game at two games at this stage. We've got Fremantle and North on eight points, and then we've got Hawthorne, Sydney, Melbourne, Giants, I believe, on twelve points. Look, I don't see Adelaide winning two games. And they'd have to, to at least get to the same points as uh, what North Melbourne and both Fremantle. And then it would come down to a uh, percentage-based thing. So I definitely think Adelaide have the uh, spoon in the bag. Which is such a short year. Anyway, we're going to take a very small break and we're going to be back with the time-honoured Toffee's Test. All right, this week, Batesy won last week. 
So what I've got for you here, I've got four categories. We're going to do three. I've got a couple of other rounds in the midst. Alex, you lost last week, so you're going to pick two categories. Batesy's going to pick one. So, Alex, you can pick first. Your categories are Port Adelaide, Aaron Sanderlands, TV broadcasters, or what year did I win the Brownlow? Let's go with uh, what year did I win the Brownlow. All right. So, this year, all right. Matthew Prittis. What year did Matthew Prittis win the Brownlow? Batesy. Yep. 2014. Yes. I remember that because we watched it together, Toffee. <laughs> the power went out. Do you remember that? We raced down to the pub. Oh, yes, I do now. And there was, was, the, was a really hard year. With, yeah, we yeah. never picked that game either. Or well, we never picked the... Um... I did. I had five each way on Prittis. <laughs> Didn't mean I picked him. I just had five each way on him. Paid my rent for a month. All right. Shane Crawford. Alex. Yep. Uh, 2004? Batesy. Yep. 2003. No. Huh. It was 1999. Oh, it was James Hurd too, wasn't it? No, Crawford by himself. Oh, okay. What am I thinking of then? So, Crawford was the last Brownlow medalist to win in a team that didn't make finals before Ablett did it with Gold Coast. All right, and who, what, Adam Goods, Nathan Buckley, Mark Rusciuto. Alex. Go Batesy, just, yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of, All right, Batesy, your category, Port Adelaide, Aaron Sanderlands, or TV broadcasters? Yeah, we'll go um, Aaron Sanderlands, I think. I'm a big fan of the tall man, so. All right, what year did Aaron Sanderlands debut? Batesy. Go. 2003. Oh, He's on fire here, Alex. Wow. 3 0 early I'm on. Behind. I'm falling behind. Well, I remember All the 2004 right. game and seeing uh, the big tall guy in there, so. <laughs> All right. What is his height? Batesy. Alex. Batesy. 211 centimeters. Yes. Oh, he's wiping the floor with me. Well, this is his category. He's enjoying <laughs> it. All right. How many best and fairest did Aaron, San- Aaron Sanderlands win and what years? Batesy. Go. Two? Yep, one point. Uh, what was that year he killed the ruck? 2009? <laughs> yep, what's the other one? Uh, was it earlier? It was around that time as well. 2014. No, no it was earlier. Alex, so I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It was after 2009. I'm going to give you a full point if you can get this. <laughs> Just to make it fair. After 2009, but not 2014. 2011. No. Oh. 2015. Oh, jeez. Oh, there you go. Oh, I, I was thinking it was after the like before the five stage. But, yeah, there you go. All right. What season was this? So, I'll count down the earlier you guess. The more points you get, and you get a, two chances in this. Right, Leon Davis kicked goal of the year. Matthew Lloyd took mark of the year. Alex. Go. 2005. No. Batesy. You don't have to answer. You can wait. Well, I think I know. All right. 2006. No. Oh. All right. This All year right. was the first year the Calvin Tigers started the traditional season opener. 
Yeah, I don't know. Not yet. The captains of your respective teams were Scott Burns and Matthew Lloyd. Oh, God. Alex. Go. Oh, I know now because it would have been when her 2008. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I know. The so, second you said that, more I thought about it. Well, Buckley, reti- <laughs> Buckley retired 07, so. That's three uh, points. So that's got Alex back in it. He's still trailing. Batesy on five and a half. Alex on three. Alex, you can pick the last category. You've got Port Adelaide or TV broadcasters. Let's go Port Adelaide. All right. Make TV broadcasters can wait Can wait till next week for uh, Port TV. All right. What year did Port Adelaide debut in the AFL? Alex. Go. So, 98? No. Uh, Batesy. Go. Uh, 19... 19- 90, because it would have been after Wanganeen went there, and he was, I'm going to 1997. Correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking 94, but I'm like, no, because Wanganeen wouldn't have been there at that point. Who has coached the most games for Port Adelaide? Jesus. Um, oh, I know the answer, actually. I can't think of his name, though. I'll give you a hint. The only one to win a flag with Paul. Katie. No. <laughs> Mark Williams? Yes. Yes. That's, I, I knew who it was like a picturing, but I couldn't think of his name. Right. And the final question, not including China, because they weren't home games for Port Adelaide. Which state has hosted a Port Adelaide home game? Not in South Australia, obviously. Katie. Or China. Yep. Northern Territory. No. Think this, think this year, Alex. <clears throat> cough, cough. <laughs> no? I know. Oh, uh, Queensland? Yes. I was, what, was between Western Australia or... Paul Adelaide played a lot of games in Northern Territory, but they just must have never been the home team. Oh, the second, yeah, the second year. <laughs> I, I thought about it, I'm like, oh, wait, this year would... Yeah, that makes All right, sense. the final one, the who am I here? Alex still has a fleeting chance. All right. I was born the 14th of January, 1980 in Sydney. Obviously, no, no one wants that. No, no, make that easier no. next week. That last one. All right. I debuted in 1999 and played 297 games for St. Kilda. Batesy. Yep. Nick Rewald. No. Rewild to Tasmanian. Oh, well, there you go. All right, for three points. I won three best and first for the Saints and am known for my tackling. Batesy. Yep. Lee Montagna. No. Hmm. I'm going to wait. (laughs) Right. I won the Norm Smith medal in a drawn grand final. Alex. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Lenny Hayes. Yes. Yeah, I realised it. (laughs) I was going to say that the last one, but I, I didn't want to go many, too early. Less than first, Lee Montagna win, because Lee Montagna could be the same. Lee Montagna definitely wasn't born in Sydney, but could have been. He's gotten fat these days, Lee Montagna. Oh, he never, no, Lee Montagna never won uh, best and first for St Kilda. Really? Oh, well, to be fair, the... when, you're, when you're sort of wrestling with Del Santo, Lenny Hayes, Goddard, Nick Rewell, uh, Nick Rewell it's pretty yeah. hard to sort of come up with he that. Came in the t- he came in the top three five times. 
All right, so the winner this week on seven and a half points is Beatty. <laughs> Alex? Uh, Aaron Sandland's got me through. Alex got six points, or he's making a comeback. But so next week, I need to get Alex in on it. I'm going to have a not a Collingwood theme round, but a Collingwood flavor in a round just to help Alex a bit. Oh, God. It's the way it is. We've got to give a bit of a handicap. Maybe you should do like an Anzac-themed one or something. That might oh, yeah, go. that'd be a good one, actually. Yep. Or, yeah. Give us a bit of a, a – both a good chance. I don't yep. want to remember any of the recent Anzac days, so <laughs> if we could skip that, that'd be great. All right, let's keep on going. We'll actually go on to Collingwood, Alex. Yep. Scott Pendlebury out for a month. I'm not sure if you heard the news. I did out hear the news. Out for a month. Yeah. Gordon Dugowie is still – I think he's four or six – four to six weeks was his – Early prognosis. I think they said about two months, yeah. Two months, yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Howe is eight to 12 weeks. Do you think the, the you got side bottom back this week. Do you think that Collingwood can just win enough games to get you to the finals? Or do you think these outs are really going to open the cracks? I still think we can. The next few weeks uh, are relatively easy games. I think we got, uh, what, Fremantle this uh, coming round. We've got uh, yeah, Sydney. Yeah, I'll get the up for you. Yeah, you got Fremantle. Uh, Sydney, Adelaide, and uh, I think Melbourne. So, I mean, at least the next three rounds, should be, should be we should be able to win all three of them, even without, without uh, Pendle Bracing, as we've got some leadership back in side bottom. Um, the Melbourne one, that's a pretty... That's a bit of a rivalry game, and, and Melbourne aren't doing too bad. So, I definitely think we can get enough wins to keep us in the eight. But that's going to stretch your list, obviously. Uh, that's another point I'll bring up and I'll tie into this. That's going to stretch your list uh, because, of course, everyone's playing so many games in so many days. Batesy, do you think we're going to see some surprise results, even more surprise than what we've seen so far this year? Because teams are going to have to rest key players off three or four-day breaks. We're in that season where anything could happen. It's like that bulldog miracle season. Do not be surprised if you do see a team that does something similar. And we're going to see a whole lot of different things that um, we haven't seen in probably at least the last 10 years. We're going to see some incredible runs um, from a lot of teams. And this is a question of depth and, I guess, perseverance from a lot of clubs and how they go about dealing with it. So uh, it'd be really interesting to see what teams can be highly consistent and can really utilize their depth. All right, here's a hypothetical, boys. You can go to one game of football, would you rather go to a game at 3.40 on a Friday afternoon or 8.10 on a Monday night? Well, I'd, first, I'd probably still go to the Friday night game just because, uh, you know... 3.40, really, still at work, maybe. Yeah, I'd still go to the Friday, uh, you know, just get out of work a little earlier, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah, right in, and... game finishes 6.30, go to the pub for the night, you're set. Yeah, exactly, and I think, you know, for me, football also sort of signals the end of your working week as well, so... Uh, you know, you're getting a really good Not movement. lately, all the Thursday night games. <laughs> um, that's true, but also on a Monday night, you know, football puts you in a great mood, and the last thing you want to do is go home and be like, oh, great, I'm going to work the next morning. So I still think the, the Friday games are a lot better for me personally. What about you, Alex? I'd do the same, yeah, Friday game. But I think you're always going to get a Friday game. So having, you know, even though the Friday game still doesn't start till 7.30 or so, the Monday game's a nice way to start the working week. You know, just... Sit, sit down with a beer, probably not drink too many. All right. Now, we've had a fan question in from Lee. Now, Lee wants to know if only Gary's, if only people named, I'll word that again, sorry, boys. If the only Gary's in the AFL, 
play for Geelong. What do you think on that those that one, Alex? Only Gary's play for Geelong. Yeah, currently, right now. The only Gary. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's Gary Lyon, Gary Dempsey, who will play for other clubs, of course. But right now in the AFL, the only Gary's play for... Geelong. Yeah, what do you That's think? A... Is that true or false? Oh, mm, I'm going to say true. That seems like that's something that, <laughs> a crazy thing that might happen. Well, yeah, Gary Rowan and Gary Ablett are yeah. the only Garys in the AFL. Yeah. And then he, all, I came back to him with that. He asked me to talk about it. And so I had a bit of a look. In fact, there's been 12 Garys who have played at least 200 games in the AFL. And only three have played for Geelong. So there you go, Lee. That's Hopefully it's answered for you. And if anyone else has any other questions, feel free to send them in on the LSB Sports Facebook page or at Toffee LSB on Twitter. All right, boys, look, let's look ahead to round nine. We start on a Wednesday night. Very excited for the, this long feast of football. Batesy, Bulldogs and Richmond, who are you tipping here? Oh, that's going to be an absolutely cracking game for a Wednesday night. Um, I'd really have to go to the drawing board here because I think uh, I actually think the Bulldogs are going to really sort of run over Richmond here. Um, I like the Bulldog style of play. It's really exciting. Um, and Richmond have a lot of concerns at the moment. So I'm going to go Bulldogs. Alex? Uh, well, this one, this is a hard one to tip, but I'm going to go Dogs. But I would not be surprised if Richmond pulled something out and, and get up on top. No, I'm really high on the Bulldogs here. I think they had a tough win last week, and I think just Richmond are just going to wait for those players to come back. Thursday night footy, Melbourne, Port Adelaide. Uh, I'm going to go Melbourne. I still don't think Port Adelaide are as strong as we think they are. Melbourne's coming off some pretty good and consistent, relatively consistent football. You know, it's the best we've seen Melbourne in over a year now. So I'm going to go Melbourne, and I think they're going to beat Port Adelaide. Uh, I'm going to go with Port Adelaide, actually. I know we've said that they're not big contenders at the moment, but I think they've got enough talent to beat Melbourne. And they've got the pieces there. They just need to put it all together and they could uh, be a exactly. contender. Exactly. We haven't said they're good, but basically that doesn't mean that they're not going to beat a team like Melbourne. I think, I think obviously last night I almost had a bit, bit of egg on my face. But after they beat Hawthorne, people were talking them up. I still don't think they're that good of a team. Just because Port Adelaide isn't going to win the premiership this year does not mean that they can't beat a team like Melbourne. All right, Friday at 5.40 Victorian time, but 3.40 local time, Carlton and Hawthorne. Before before 2018, when we have had a bit of a... No, sorry, 2017, when we didn't make the finals, that was the first time Carlton had beaten us in 13 years. Is this going to be the second time in 15 years, BT? Yeah, I think yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer. I think with how Hawthorne's playing, no-brainer. Bra- you think it's playing, a no-brainer? <laughs> yeah, I think Carlton's got that one in the bag, All and right, fair I enough. think Hawthorne's going to really struggle to get over the top of Carlton. You'd have they'd have to pull out the, you know some of Clarko's tricks to get over in this one. Uh, for me, it's definitely Carlton. It's probably yep. the easiest uh, out of the three games so far. The tip. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't really like tipping Carlton, but I'll I'll think I'll back them this week. But again, the way this season's going, I'd not be surprised if. Somehow, Clarko does something and Hawthorne come out on top. Here is what I think, and I'm probably going to say this every week for the next how many rounds we got left. It's a, we got a six-day break. We've travelled across half of us, the whole of Australia. Clarko, you need to make a statement of intent. I don't want to see 30-year-olds in that team unless they have a key role and they have been playing that key role consistently. I want to see kids, and I want to just see something. I'm still tipping Hawthorne. 
But still, okay, we've got a Friday night double header. Gold Coast, but it's a Essendon home game. Essendon Brisbane Lions. Um, I'm going to go with Essendon. I'm really high on Essendon at the moment. Bates, are you pretty confident with this one? Or... <laughs> oh, I'm not confident, but I'm going to tip Essendon just because uh, I'm pretty loyal. Uh, don't be surprised if Brisbane get up by 50 points and really just punish uh, an Essendon squad that just can't get, you know, score score on the board. So, uh, but I'll have to go with Essendon anyway. And I think if there's any team that could just somehow beat Brisbane randomly, it's going to be the Essendon Football Club with the, that sort of flashy gameplay that they can really pull out. I'm going to go with uh, Brisbane for that game. I wouldn't be yeah, if Essendon might take it to them for a half a half a game, but then I can see Brisbane just running away with it in the end. I'm actually really interested at the odds of that game, so I'm going to get the odds of that game and have a look. Uh, while I do that, let's go Bates here to North Melbourne and Adelaide. I think we know who you're tipping here. You're yeah, I went, I went Adelaide because we, we spoke about it. We touched on it a bit earlier. I think Adelaide, this is the game Adelaide wants to win. There's been a... Uh, slowly sort of building up on their gameplay and really trying to get that first, uh, get that win and so on. Um, I think Adelaide gets it done on this weekend. Um, and oh, Poor North. Uh, hopefully they can get another win and later on the season, but uh, I think they're out of luck this weekend. Yeah, I think I'll also be going with Adelaide, but I just, it's, I'm saying this for a lot of games, but the way the season is, just teams can drop off randomly out of nowhere and, and teams can just show up. So North Melbourne might decide to turn it on randomly and, and, destroy Adelaide. Like, we don't know. Yep. So, on uh, Saturday afternoon from the Gabba, St Kilda, Sydney, I'm going with the Saints here. Yeah, I think it's hard not to tip Saints against a Sydney squad that's really struggling. So, Saints, uh, for me, probably another easy pick there. Really struggling, but smash the horse. Your tip, Hawks, your tip, Alex? <laughs> yeah, definitely St Kilda. I'm wondering how many um, how many goals Papley's going to kick, though. That's a he might keep him in the game, actually. Yeah, he's been doing <laughs> that well. Um, so we got West Coast Dog next. But first, I just where I was having a look at the odds, we'll have more with me and Alex on the punters paddock later on in the week. Essendon's $3 against Brisbane. That's not bad value. But a funny thing I noticed, West Coast are into $5.50 premiership favourites. But we'll discuss more about that on the punters paddock later in the week. But Batesy... Uh, Geelong got injuries just like Collingwood in the WA hub. Are West Coast going to do the same as they did to Collingwood? Um, What we saw from West Coast was really, really scary for any other club. That was exactly how I think – that's the pinnacle of what we've seen at any squad this season so far on the weekend. Um, And I'm going to tip them again against Geelong. I think they're looking incredibly strong. They've found what their roles are. They've been coached really well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar on the weekend. Uh, so, yeah, expect a really good game, though. Well, of course, Geelong hasn't played yet, so we haven't seen the Joel Salwood, Gary Ablett not play. But, Alex, um, let's presume Geelong lose on Monday night, coming up very shortly. Would you even give them a chance against West Coast or just batting down the hatches? Look, after what I saw yesterday, uh, <laughs> I would definitely be tipping West Coast for this game. I think... They still have a pretty good midfield. I think that was the big thing that let Collingwood down. Um, in that midfield, they were just Westfield was too dominant and got that ball into that forward fifty way too quick for any of our defenders. Um, I think Geelong might be able to put a handle on that, but West Coast are deadly at the moment. I'm really, really hyped on the Gold Coast at the moment. I was actually quite disappointed they didn't beat the Bulldogs on Thursday night. They're playing against the Giants, and I'm calling this right now, boys. This is the statement game. 
the Suns are going to come out and say, hang on, we're no longer the expansion laughing stock. They're going to come out. They're going to beat the Giants by a few goals. What do you reckon, Batey? I disagree. I think GWS have that in the bag. Gold Coast are looking good. You're right. Uh, they're pretty strong. They've got a lot of good things going for them. But I think GWS are just coming into uh, a good patch of football. Uh, and they've got a lot of talent. And we're seeing the X factor that is on that GWS team. Uh, I think GWS get it done and quite comfortably. I'm going to go with GWS, but I I think it's going to be a close one. I think Gold Coast is going to take it to, to the Giants. They haven't beaten them in eight years, uh, Gold Coast. Have Last they ever beaten in, them? They have. The, the Ledgers... Uh, in their G- first season, in Giants' first season. Yeah, I remember now. GWS have got nine. I think Suns have got four wins. If they've, if they've, when oh, really? They played that much? Okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last time they won was back in 2014 where they beat the Giants by 40 points. Um, but I, again, I have to agree with uh, Batesy. G, uh, GWS is coming into some good form. But I'd really like to see Gold Coast take it to them and show the rest of the AFL that they're not the laughing stock anymore. In the last game of the round, free Mantle Collingwood on Sunday night. Uh, Batesy? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I feel a bit sorry for Collingwood with what happened to them on the weekend. Um, so I'm going to tip Collingwood here. Uh, Freeman are in a really weird spot as a team. And I think they're still going to be without five for another week too. Of course, um, we haven't seen, we haven't seen Freeman yet as we go to air. So yeah, I, I, I just, I'm just going to go there. Collingwood. Uh, Freeman have shown glimpses of some decent football throughout this season, but not, not enough to convince me to beat uh, the likes of Collingwood. So yeah, the pies for me. Uh, yeah, I'm going to back my boys in the pies. Uh, we should get the job done. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the pies there too. And of course, round 10 starts about 20 hours after round nine finishes. Anyway, boys, it's been great again. Uh, any last words from anyone? So I'm Toffee and thanks, Alex. It's always a pleasure uh, tuning in and having a bit of a conversation about some football. Yes, thanks, guys. Yep. All right. No worries, boys. The final day of England, or the fourth day, I think, would be the final day of England-West Indies starts tonight. LSB Cricket will be covering that. Coming soon, LSB, NFL, and, of course, the Punters Paddock on Wednesday night. Thank you for your coverage, and you can join us next time on LSB Sports.